Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. Hello, Lizzie. Hello. Oh, good evening, should I say? This is an was... evening intro recording. You sounded like Dracula. Hello. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> no, anyway. don't. That is not. Um, how are you? I am going good. I'm good <laughs> i feel like this is groundhog day i feel like every day i'm going to bed and then just waking up and kind of doing a similar thing but i'm going good i'm going i'm going as good as can <laughs> where can are be you expected. going with this <laughs> i'm going nowhere i'm staying at home and like everyone else is but um no i'm i'm okay i feel like i'm just taking every day as it comes some days aren't so great some mm. days are better and i just really hold on to those better days mm. <laughs> how are you going yeah the same yeah yeah just up and down very much Mm. sometimes i just find myself crying at random for no apparent reason yeah or for like the smallest thing that would you would usually not cry over yes yeah i agree also you know what i found out recently what i also refer to groundhog day didn't know it was a movie you didn't know no i just thought it was a saying i was like yeah yeah groundhog day oh my god you should watch the movie i should (laughs) anyway (laughs) that's not your special share though i'm guessing no, oh, and you know what else I love? This is not my special shit okay. either. This is just a random thought. I've just been loving um, the live team as being back again. And yes, it was really fun. Yes, and being able to work out with you guys again. I know through the app, obviously, all our workouts are real-time workouts, so you get to follow them along. But there's something so special about working out at the same time as mm. everyone. It mm-hmm. feels like you're doing it together. So thank you so much to everyone who has joined us so far in our live gym. It's still going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Today's well, yeah, Wednesday. When I said it was, when we're recording this, <laughs> I have, um, I've done the first one and we've had Murray's Pilates that, have, that has passed, but um, it was really, really nice to be able to log on again and find that motivation and um, see you guys kind of clock on and do the workout and everything. As Laura said, it's, it's just the best. It's so much fun. So we hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are and yeah. We yeah, are still going. and if you want to see where, when, where, when, if you want to know, it's Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, but you can see all of the details on our Keep It Cleaner Instagram. Now, for your special share. Well, my special share this week <laughs> is actually Batch in Paradise because I am usually not a fan <laughs> of that kind of TV, but it's weird. Batch in Paradise and some Bachelors is in some seasons not <laughs> people have got a soft spot as in like I just I feel like I Why? have to watch. I don't know I really maybe it's because it's just so can far I give from you a yeah what, that's what, what I think <laughs> what I think the the reason you like it and I have to say I was I'm I'm loving I always love those shows but I was so excited to watch this one yeah. And I'm really sad Abby's gone now because yes, that was a, one of the main reasons I was watching 100%. it. But um, I think it's because it is a total distraction from what we're going through yes. and it is so far from yes. really real life. It's, it's so far life. from my reality that exactly. I'm just like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I just, I mean, like, obviously not all of it's amazing. Some of it's very unfortunate and, and mean. mean yeah. And, yeah, it's just like, oh, that annoys me. But for some reason I'm just hooked and I know that I'm just going to... Yeah, if like if I miss an episode, I'll probably want to go back and see it. You know what I mean? Like I'm <laughs> totally. that, I'm that excited about it. But anyway, but I yeah. Anyway, weird special share for me. I feel, but that's it. Love it though. Yeah. But I love it because maybe people that aren't watching it might go and watch it now. 
And I don't know if that's a good thing. Well, it's just, it's just <laughs> I feel like if you need something to just escape yeah. from what's going on. Yeah. It was shot before COVID, so it's just, I don't know, it's nice to escape and yeah. just watch it. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you want to know my special shit? Oh, yeah. Because I just yours? really over-contributed to yours. Sorry. You can contribute to mine. Uh, my special share is... Um, gratitude returning to doing some gratitude journaling and Mm. by that I mean writing three things I'm grateful for each day which is something we spoke Mm. about in the episode with Danny Mm. um Mm -hmm. quite a while quite a while ago now actually I think it was the first episode of the first season of this year so yeah if you want to go back and listen to that it's a good one but it's just I think now getting through ISO the first time um, being grateful for things and gratitude mm. helped me so much. So I think I've had to go back to that because I'm mm. finding myself I'm more angry mm. <laughs> this time. So I need to like channel that somewhere. And I've been writing down three things that I'm grateful for each day, and it is helping me. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad, and I Thank can you. totally put my head up and say I am with you with the whole mood thing. Are you angry too? I'm. I'm <laughs> Sorry, angry. You're not angry. I feel like I'm always. I'm, it's me, but like it's yes, not what? helping. And then also on top of that, my motivation. I feel like first time ISO came around, I was excited. Mm. And I mean, we had the lives so regularly that, you know, there was, that was kind of enough. And then I did my own thing, but like, I was so motivated and we've got a, Josh and I were lucky enough to switch up one of our spare bedrooms into a bit of a gym situation, which has helped so much. But first time ISO, that was brand new. And so I was like, in there and I just loved it and I just wanted to get up every morning and work out or like midday lunch break go work out and now I've just like like other than our lives and maybe maybe one or two other workouts in the week yeah my workout schedule is pulled right back and I'm all for not doing a lot right now and I think sometimes that's obviously really important you need to slow down and like that's totally fine and you shouldn't feel guilty for it but I think at the back of my mind, I'm really ready to be motivated. It's just not coming. It's, it's just hard. not coming. <laughs> I think it's hard, especially this time in this lockdown in um, Melbourne. It's obviously freezing cold yeah. at the moment. So it's like you look outside and it's grey mm. and then you go into your, like, walk Space. into the room and <laughs> sit down on your laptop all day. And mm. it's just, it's harder to be motivated. But... When you do things like practice gratitude or you look on the positive side. This is very mellow intro. I know, but it shouldn't be because today's guest is a very excitable one. It's like she's the most positive bloody energy for I think we've ever had. Let's flip this podcast. Yeah, let's 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 flip flip it. Seriously. (laughs) You didn't come here for us to be sad. (laughs) She's amazing. Who do we who do we have, Lawsy? So today we have got the incredible Sharon Jo Hall, who you may know from your TV screens on one of Australia's most classic shows, Neighbours. And don't worry, any Neighbours fans uh, or just curious people, we asked a lot of questions about Neighbours, but I think the, the most special thing about this podcast is we got to know Sharon on like such a deep level mm. and she was so open with us with struggles growing up. Sharon always dreamed of being an actress but she had pressure on her to become a lawyer and so she actually ended up pursuing her legal career and got it to finish her legal degree, her law degree, got a job and then still really really tried to I suppose live out that dream of, of being an actress and she has recently I suppose started living that dream and, mm. and it was really interesting to hear her her take on it she also has an amazing take on the black lives matter movement Mm. um and things that we can do it was a really i suppose being an educator and kind of yeah yeah. she was she was just incredible and she has so much to say and so much wisdom and i think for anyone out there who might 
be feeling as she may have felt when she was growing up, feeling like she had to kind of go for something else, even though it wasn't her passion. I think you really, really thoroughly enjoy this chat. And then even if that's not you, she was just such a positive delight, as we said earlier, that I think you guys are going to love it. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. As you know, I love you guys. So it's just like having a <laughs> friendly chat and a catch up, which you haven't been able to do in a while. Yeah, we both enjoyed being on your, can I say that it's coming out soon? Yes, it podcast? is. Yes, you yeah. can. <laughs> yeah, so we've both had a chat separately and we both enjoy chatting you too so much that we were like we've got to get on the kick pod and talk <laughs> and to just her continue again. that dialogue no absolutely <laughs> I think I had to cut it short because I just kept going and going and going and do you know what I started with you guys like because I, I had that lockdown time and then I was like I'm just gonna get as many people as I can while I've got the time and then afterwards when I started putting them out um, week by week week I was like actually this is really difficult to edit when I talk too much so I need to be more succinct get to the point say the important stuff keep people engaged and just leave and if I want to continue have a friendly chat I'll just call them afterwards seriously <laughs> it does get like that though when you when you feel so close and and you have like a friendship with someone and then you end up interviewing them it's like you just kind of want to catch up which we can kind of do in this first question because we just want to know how you're going at the moment 2020 has been a massive year for everyone and we just wanted to check in yeah absolutely so as you guys know timing wise um as we're recording this it was like two days ago we victoria or melbourne went into mm. lockdown again so this year has um, am I allowed to swear, by the way, or is it better? Yeah, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was just going to say so 20, 2020 has <laughs> been. Everyone always asks. Yeah, well, it's been a bit of a shit show. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like from the start yeah. to, and it will continue on. Like you see those memes, where it's like January bushfires, you know this that, and then continues on to now. Um, it is uh, like between us. I suppose it's not between us. Between us and the audience, I had a lot of things planned for this year, um, mm. professionally, mm-hmm. personally. And that all just kind of went out of the window. So, And I feel like a lot of people would be thinking that. And I'm in a super privileged position where, like, I'm employed. Mm. Um, My husband lost his job at the start of COVID. Mm. So before we even really knew what was happening in March, he worked for one of those massive accounting firms and, you know, they kind of treated him like crap. They said everything was going to be okay. They maintained it. They said Mm. um, the way we treat our employees now is an indication of where we will be going forward. And then, of course, like next morning, random Zoom meeting invitation, piece of papers written down, he lost his job. So that was really, Mm. yeah, that was, and he's worked for that same company for 14 years. He's employed again, which is great but that's great as you can understand during that time he it was stressful for both of us like mm. so I was very lucky because as you guys know I was on neighbors and I am on, mm. I am on neighbors and I thought straight up I was like we're gonna be you know the first ones out of work for sure because how can you you know record something where you need to touch and be tactile with each other on a show and obviously we've got we're a massive production we've got a lot of people so the minute you know COVID hits up us our production office we're staffed but mm. incredibly, like, and this is where you look to, like, the amazing things that have come through this time as well. Our production team found a way to work through it. They split the cast in two. And we've been working. We literally took two weeks extra off um, mm. then our Easter break. And we've been working since. So there's been, like, massive ups and downs, which I feel like a lot of people have been going through. Mm. And I've been doing that daily, like... You know, you wake up and you're really positive and really um, excited about life and then you'll get a few phone calls, emails, whatever, and this is cancelled, that's not happening. 
Um, people are sick, all of that kind of stuff that brings you up and down. But like I was saying to you guys before, I think the biggest lessons that I'm learning is to be in the moment, to be adaptable and resilient, and also just to appreciate things as they come. So I'm feeling okay. Like I'm feeling great. I'm really happy to be talking to you guys. I'm happy to be employed. <laughs> um, Hubby's got the, another job now, which is great. And then we've also got a puppy, which is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is when I talk to you guys, I think I spent ages talking about your dogs because I am that dog creep. And and it was always on the cards, but like the rescues were all empty and we wanted to get a rescue. Mm. And in the end, we made the decision to get it, get the puppy from a breeder because we were so desperate and it's changed our whole lives like Mm. all I do is talk about the dog now and um, it's like having a baby in the house all the time I cry on the way to work out of feeling guilty that I've left him there I'm telling everyone about his good heart and his personality like it's you know it's crazy but yeah no I'm doing all right overall I like we were saying before the main thing that I'm worried about now with this second lockdown is small businesses especially mm-hmm. who probably scraped by to get through that first one then we kind of got used to like a new new world for two weeks and then we're back there again so that's what I'm worried about and the vulnerable mm. Mm. yeah oh absolutely it's so scary and our hearts are just with yeah. everyone yeah. that is struggling right now and, and hoping that maybe if we do really well we can have a shorter lockdown which is something that we were also talking yeah. about yeah. before um so fingers crossed for that so apart from obviously you've kept working and I also saw an article today that Mavis is obviously continuing to be filmed but no more kissing yeah so we haven't had any <laughs> kissing do you know what it's like it's a it's a it's a yay and a nay a yay in the way like who the hell wants to kiss random people that aren't your husband yeah. anyway yeah, so I was like yeah. woo I don't have to do that anymore like it is awkward even yeah. if you've worked with the same actor like I have a husband on the yeah. show for years it is awkward still doing that so I was like okay that's cool but then obviously my main interest is like the storyline and how that comes across to the audience we're very lucky that our audience has come along with us so we haven't been doing touching and kissing since uh, March and we filmed three months ahead so right now Mm. it's hitting the screens and it's interesting because my character's name is Dippy and then there's all these hashtags um, on Twitter going Dippy distancing because you can see (laughs) I'm being really awkward and like standing with my hands together like because I touch people a lot as a character and I'm like standing like this so I don't do it in the scene because when you're in the moment you don't know what you're doing um and it's playing out now but we're relying on our audience to come along the journey with us and go with the story and they have they've been super supportive we decided not to talk about COVID on the story because it would be outdated by the time it comes out but also a lot of people watch our show for escapism and and a lot of people Mm. are in lockdown in the UK where our massive fan base is and they don't want to hear about doom and gloom so yeah that's been interesting not kissing uh in terms of what we've been doing there's a few resources out there but like there was a point where discussions were had about kissing mirrors um (laughs) yeah like they filmed a bit when you're just coming out of the kiss or where you're just about to go into the kiss um i had a scene the other day where i needed to hold someone's hand but we weren't allowed to obviously hold hands now we're at a point where we're allowed to cheat it. So before it was a perception thing as well. We didn't want it to look like we were doing that as well. Now that's okay, but we're definitely not holding hands. And we had camera <laughs> angles from all different things, like trying, and it was like this. They talked about, um, even in their, think about this, they had like full meetings about, okay, what if Sharon holds her own hand like that? Could that work if we just post up on that? But obviously like... I'm Indian and I've got brown skin and like, you know, the person I was acting opposite didn't. So they couldn't do that. They're like, should we make a prosthetic expensive hand like for her to to hold that one, like all different ways. So we're finding different ways to get through it. A lot of cheating uh, camera angles. 
But yeah, just going along from the ride, every day we do something so ridiculous and crazy. I'm just like, well, this is my life now. Wow. I love, I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very interesting yeah. to hear. I, I feel like when you, the, the acting industry and the entertainment industry mm. from the outside is so, you just want to know what happens. Yeah. Like even something like kissing a stranger, mm. I just find that the most, the funniest concept, obviously it's totally normal. I mean, I'm sure, as you said, it doesn't get completely normal, but it's totally normal for you guys. But for us to, or for me to get my head around it, I'm like, that is just so funny. I was going to say, I think I can get my head around it only because I've had to model. I was going to say, models. you would be very before. close to other yeah. people. And actually, yeah. it's not actually the action of um, kissing Laura. It's actually that bloody, that 10 seconds beforehand where you've got yeah. to, like, look in their <laughs> eyes and maintain. Yeah. Who gives anybody eye contact for that long anyway these days? Like, it's awkward. And then you see into their soul. You see all their insecurities. You see all their fears and everything. And then you've got to kiss. Upper lip starts sweating. You start getting hot and anxious. You forget the lines. That's that's when it's awkward. So I can understand with the modelling stuff as well. And Laura, like, when you're that close to another human as well... It's, it's weird. Like, I personally yeah. forget to breathe and then I'm like, oh, I forgot to breathe <laughs> because I just get, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. It's, it's unnatural. I have to, like, look at their nose ah, or something. That's like, if they're, like, looking to their eyes, I'm like, yeah. See, I never, I never got booked for any um, sexy shoots. So I never did it. So you're lucky then. You, you were able, you yeah. didn't have to. You know, I was doing not the nose. I, like, uh, my on-screen husband, I stare at his forehead right like in this spot here oh yeah i think he's got a complex because there's like a little bit of hair and he thinks i'm looking at that i'm not it's just because i can't keep looking at the eyes and the eyeline needs to be up but yeah these are the things we do yeah totally oh my goodness love it so obviously as you said before you bring a lot of joy to everyone's screens every day what brings you joy is it your new puppy (laughs) (laughs) yeah like for sure i i really like probably like you guys i take I've tried to find joy in small moments like we it's like we live this life where we just I feel personally just stressing all the time about the next thing and we've got to do this and tick this this box get this job buy that house um have babies do all that stuff make family happy things that make me happy are like I love seeing acts of kindness wherever it is. I love having random conversations. Like um, when I took the puppy for a walk, there was a guy on a bicycle. I think he was homeless, but whatever. He he was having a chat and was loving the puppy. And then we got to find out a lot about his life. That sort of stuff reminds me that, yes, I'm human and we're part of this big whole world. Mm. We're becoming more and more disconnected. But again, like I said, I hope through this pandemic, we're realising what's important to us. And it's Mm. that connection with people. Connection with people was what brings me joy. So that brings me joy through my acting, where I can kind of like make people feel a certain way through my action by being real and and true in that moment. Um, Or, you know, making new friends or cultivating relationships with my existing friends, spending time with family. That's the kind of stuff that makes me happy. And obviously, like... Um, good music is another thing that brings me joy. I like to dance, even though I feel like I've lost my rhythm over the years. It's so weird. <laughs> I used to teach dance years ago. Now I swear I can't move to a beat properly because I haven't. <laughs> and I think about like what, what's going to happen when we start going out again, if we ever go oh. out again. Like, will we be able to like move, let alone socialize? I don't know. I know it's going to be weird. I think it was maybe the UK where pubs and like all this different stuff was open, except there was like a rule and it's probably in parts of Australia too, but there's the rule that you can't dance. And it's like, is everyone just going to be like kind of standing around like bopping their head because they can't like technically get close to anyone. I'm so looking forward. Like we do a lot of um, festivals and stuff through Soda and I'm so looking forward to 
being able to kind of like yeah listen to like one of my favorite artists and be in that kind of front mosh pit kind of look because there's just nothing like you know feeling the energy with everyone else and dancing with strangers and everything but that like that is that feels so far mm. away where we are right now that feels so far away I can't even imagine it I totally agree with you I'm a music festy baby like uh, I saw you at Coachella and that yeah. I'm like <laughs> that feels like like a lifetime yeah. ago and it was only whatever a year or two ago that music festival vibe is my thing as well because it's again it's like you see different personalities different people it's people watching people just so happy to be there they just really just want to be there and connect and listen to the music and I think we're all really missing that. That's probably why we're, when we're on the street, we're so desperate to talk to everyone because yeah. Yeah. we're hello, just... Hello, good morning. Yeah, hello, how are you? I swear, like, my neighbours are like, we've never talked this much, never been this social. I'm like, I hope it continues on because um, it is fun. Yeah, but, yeah, the music, I'm looking forward to that going back. But, yeah, that does feel far. Although I did see something in the in Europe where it was an EDM festival and they actually had marked squares so you could dance but only in your square. Oh, that's that. cool. Yeah, which is cool. But I think, like, when you mix that with alcohol and whatever, that would be hard to, like, police. How are you going to stop people from hugging each other and, totally. you know, spreading that good vibe? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to talk more about your, ne- like, neighbours and your career and everything, but I would like to kind of go back in time yeah. and talk about your childhood and your upbringing, if you could just yeah. take us back. Sure. So I think you know, Steph, because you're um, connected to the Murray River as well. I was brought up yeah. on the Murray River in um, oh, yeah, in the, in the Riverland. So I was born in Barrie in South Australia in a very regional area. It's like a little culmination of like a bunch of little towns. Um, I went to school at Remark. There was like 5,000 people there. Um, and we lived quite isolated, like on a cliff face. And our like nearest neighbours were probably like, you know, 500 metres away, which is why... I talk so loud because that's how I grew up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we we had a really really great upbringing, great childhood. You know, ATV, motorbikes, vineyards. When I say farm, mm-hmm. I mean like v- fruit farm, um, oranges and grapes and stuff. And I learned how to ride a bike and a truck and a semi truck and all <laughs> of that when I was like before I was ten. And it was great. Like I think about that and I think about the future. I'm like that would be the ideal place to probably bring up kids and things like that. But I went to school, like my my memories of school and stuff was like, um, I was always different, obviously. My family mm. were like one of the only ethnic families in the area and it did make me different and it was kind of hard to fit in um, mm-hmm. at school. Like my parents are amazing because they like would bring us up to make us think that we were the same as everyone else, which is mm. great, but then mm-hmm. also there was a time where I kind of I think I dismissed or denied my identity as well because I just wanted so much to be like everyone else and that wasn't just in my appearance obviously I had brown skin but like I was like curvy from a young age like I had boobs I had butt and I was like wearing two I remember I was where I go to school and I like try to tape my boobs down so they didn't stand out because I just wanted so much to be the same as everybody else So it was interesting. Like I had friends at school and I made sure that I was friends with all different people. I didn't believe in the whole being in the cool group thing and not, I literally, there was people that would be sitting on their own and I'd be friends with them. And it was a great experience, but it was tough because my parents were super conservative Mm. as well. And so I wanted to do the acting from a young age and they were just like, because they're immigrant parents, they wanted us to basically live out their dream, which is such a common story Mm. with immigrant Mm. parents where they've worked so hard. My dad's degrees didn't translate in Australia, so that's why he became a farmer. And then Mm. his dream was for 
us to become doctors, lawyers, you know, that sort of thing. So my that was a big push for us. And my sister kind of had a bit of a trouble, like upbringing within herself. And my brother was the same. So a lot of the pressure ended up coming on me to fulfill that dream. That is why I became a lawyer in the end um, as well. I got into uh, dentistry, didn't get into med, but got into dentistry. Then I thought I can't live my life looking through into people's mouths instead of talking to them. So I was like, I'm not doing that. So I'll do that instead. Law's the closest thing to acting. And I kind of followed that through. I got independence and freedom when we moved to Adelaide. So there obviously like is a bigger city and I felt like had more freedom, mm. but mm. my mum moved in with us. So mm-hmm. she was very like, you can't go out. You can't drink. I had my first drink when I was like 22 years old my first kiss Mm. around the same age like Mm. I was very much sheltered and like kept away from everything so what I did to I suppose bring joy into my life was to get into the creative aspect of things so the acting and stuff but even that to be honest they were not supportive of so I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Bend It Like Beckham have you seen that movie yeah I love love that movie yeah Yeah. so that family is a Punjabi family which is what my family is so they're like super Mm -hmm. kind generous very giving culturally like the best culture to be Mm. brought up in but they do have that expectation of like we just you have to be like the best of the best you have to help people be a doctor or whatever and um she used to like I think she used to hide her clothes in the bush or something so she'd go play soccer and you know Mm. like what's wrong with playing soccer it's a sport but they were like girls shouldn't do that or whatever it was Mm. for me it was acting like don't do acting because then you'll never become a doctor or whatever I used to hide my my clothes in the bush and do the same thing and my mum used to follow me to acting school and like I remember one time she found out that I was doing it and she was outside the class like with her arms crossed and just yelled at me in front of everyone it was mortifying and mind you I was already doing law and commerce and so I would have been like 18 or 19 years old and I was threatened to be kicked out of the house all of that stuff Mm. because I wasn't doing the right thing but then for me I was like I'm not doing drugs you know Mm. I'm not bringing shame upon the family, their perceived shame by like having lots of boyfriends or whatever, like what, what's the big deal? And I just kind of fought the system from a young age. And with my dad, like we're very super, super close and he's super soft. So I kind of cultivated that relationship. So then I kind of got to a point where they were like, this isn't a phase. This is who she is. This is what she wants to mm. do. And it's funny when I got the, I was doing a lot of other work before Neighbours, but when I got the job on Neighbours, then my mum and dad were like, okay, this she's not giving up on this this is her dream and, and then they were proud and then my mum was like oh she's taking after me I always wanted to be an actor and I'm like no that's so untrue yeah. mum like don't you know so yeah it was tough in a way where like I wasn't didn't feel supported with my dreams and aspirations at all but I was loved in every other way if that makes sense mm. But you were obviously so passionate about it that even with, I suppose, that maybe lack of support at that time, you still pushed to do it. That's interesting you say that because now my mum takes the credit for that. She goes, you're resilient because of us. Because we said no, made you push harder and that's why you fight fight harder for your dreams. And I'm like, just can't can't win with you guys. But anyway, I really appreciate it. You did the best that you could at the time. But, yeah, I think... I think it has made me resilient for sure and um, realise a fight because I've had to always work so much harder to get anywhere, I mean, with anything Mm. in life. Mm. And you've spoken before about being a young Indian woman and looking at our TV screens in Australia Mm. and and not seeing yourself represented. How how did that feel? And did that kind of enlight a flame in you that you wanted to be that person on TV? Yeah, to, to represent your culture? Absolutely. Like, 
I didn't see it. And also because we were in rural South Australia, we had two mm. channels there. Like we had ABC and 5A, which is like nine. And so that's the equivalent of Channel 9. Didn't see anyone, anyone at all like me. And that's probably another reason why my parents were like, um, no, don't go down this path. Because they were trying to prevent me from living a lifetime of sadness mm. and rejection and not ever getting there. And I don't know why. It's just this thing inside, probably the middle child thing, to be honest. But there's this thing inside of me where it's like, why can't I? Why can't I do it? Like my dad would be like, I was that kid that was like, dad, why this? And he'd be like, because I said so. But I'd be like, why? But tell me why. I want to know why. And Mm. I've always been that personality. So when they said that, like it goes down to all different different examples of my life. But when they said like, you can't do it, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to prove to you I have. It took me ages. Like it was not an easy, easy, you know, like steps to even get to that point. But um, I definitely saw with younger, like the younger communities and stuff, like we were kind of very much conditioned to go a certain way. And I was like, I want to challenge that whole system. So, um, Mm. yeah, I I didn't see it and and that was hard. And what's beautiful about now is like I get a lot of young young women and, and, and their parents as well saying like because you did it and you did it in you know, such a beautiful way. Like we're supporting our kids to follow the arts and do do what they want to do as well. But yeah, I've spoken about like representation and stuff on screen um, and with the media as well for a long time. And I think, and that's been really difficult too, because because you're in a position, um, in, a, in a non-powerful position where you're kind of saying, well, it's taken as picking fault within the current system. And that can always that generally doesn't go down well. It's like, mm. even in this job, like the job that I'm in now and every kind of job that I've had, it's like I, there is an expectation of me being grateful to be there as one of the first or whatever. Isn't it great that you're here now? I'm like, yeah, it is. But like, I still think there's heaps of room um, to change. And I think we were having this conversation before in that like the delivery and how you have these conversations play a big part in the impact. So I could be angry all the time because I was not represented in so many different ways or like I'll get stereotyped um, scripts and stuff like talking about me making curries and all that kind of stuff. And that is really annoying and frustrating. But if I choose that path, like I don't see how that's going to better the situation. If I choose to kind of move away from it and go, okay, let's let's educate on a different level Mm -hmm. and and, and maybe we can make change. So, yeah, it's been really hard. But I have to say one of the one positive, I suppose, side effects of Black Lives Matter at the moment and the movement is that um, whether people want to or not, like there is an understanding that you just need to listen. Right now mm. you just need to listen. And that's actually provided a bit more of a accepting space, even though I was doing it before, but talking about representation, representation having these conversations, um, I don't feel... I suppose I don't feel as exposed anymore for doing that. Mm. No, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really nice as well. Um, I suppose we appreciate you doing that and everything as well. Um, we want to talk about your law um, studies. And I, I know that you said before that the motivation for that might have come from your parents and that they kind of weren't thrilled about the option, uh, the, o- the, option <laughs> the option to do acting. Um, 
how long did you study law for? Like you completely finished the degree, right? Yeah, yeah. So I actually, so for me, if you think about mindset, I was it was a backup plan. So I was like, I'll just do yeah, this to like to like <laughs> keep my parent, get my parents off my back, and Happy. once I get my big break, yeah, I'll get my break, yeah. which should happen soon. It didn't happen soon. There was no roles, but like I was like, if that, then I can just go do that and quit the law and commerce. But that didn't happen. So I finished my degree very quickly. Like it was a double degree. Mm. It was supposed to take six years or something. I did it in four and a half because I just wanted to get the F out of there. I was mm-hmm. like, this is wow. not what I want to do. I just want to like do acting. So let me do that. And then I can say to my parents, I've got the law and commerce degree. And then just being an overachiever, then I was like, okay, I might as well just get a job and audition at the same time. And that's what I was doing. So I, I was like, I had a bunch of law jobs where I was actually a litigation lawyer. And um, mm-hmm. it's interesting, different workplaces were different. Like the first one, I didn't, there, there is a culture within the law when you're a lawyer where it's like you need to embody it and encompass it and you're just a lawyer and that's you've got to have that mentality. You hang out with lawyers, you become a bit mm. of a wanker, to be honest. And yeah. I was just like, <laughs> it is that. Like you would know these little packs of people. And, and I, so I didn't feel comfortable saying like, you know, I mean, I did say it and it was shut down. So then I just kept it away. I didn't tell people I was auditioning. So I would like go on my lunch break to an audition and time it that way. And then I would take... Um, you know, my annual leave at the date that I was filming something or whatever. So I continued doing that. And then my promise to myself was, and I was literally burning the oil or whatever they say, the candle at both ends Mm. for years, because to Mm. me, once I got the taste of independence, which came through financial freedom of having my own job or being a lawyer, I was like, I'm not going to give that up until I have a full-time job. And the full-time job was, as an actor, was only ever going to come from, like, Neighbours or Home and Away in Australia. There's no other show that does that. Mm. So I didn't even know if it was going to happen. And actually, when I... Um, Because I was was doing it for years and years and years, like it took 15 years almost to get to where I have to this point, I gave up. Before I got this job, I actually gave up. I was just like, you know what? This isn't going to happen. I have to be... um, I have to be honest with myself. I need to start progressing in my backup career of being a lawyer. So I'm just going to commit all my time and energy to that and become a senior and blah, blah, blah. I'll do that. And I moved to Sydney for a bit of a change from Melbourne. And then, of course, I got the call up for the show. And then they're like, can you move back? And I was like, I really love Sydney now. Like, I'm not ready to do it. <laughs> but I did it. And that's just the way the world works. It's like, It is honestly that thing of like when you're so desperate, but then you let it go. Sometimes it works out um, for yeah. you. It's just amazing you found the motivation to get through a law degree <laughs> when you knew that it was just, I suppose, to yeah, keep your, your parents happy yeah. and, and you still wanted to do acting. That, that's so inspirational. It's so much reading. I hated it. It was <laughs> yeah, so... I, know. I would just get like, I remember starting and the language in law, like when you're reading cases, that it's not natural English language. It's, it's not English. No. It's not. It's <laughs> verbose. It's like too yeah. many words for the same thing. And then you get caught up on like one thing. I remember when I was highlighting I was like highlighting the whole page going this all sounds important I don't know um but I would say I kind of not won my way through obviously because I got good marks and I kind of did it but it was that literal thing of applying and it like just doing it but not having the passion for it litigation was okay though when I was actually doing that that was good because that's that adrenaline rush of like I'd get the brief the night before and then I have to meet the barrister in the morning and I have to 
act. It was acting, like it was doing that. And that's what my the partners at the firm was like, you were just acting as a lawyer this whole time, weren't you? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Um, that's what, and, and even in that industry, it was like basically full of old white men. And so you are acting mm. a part where you're young, um, you're ethnic, but, you know, kind of good looking, like, as you're told or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're there and they're like, sweetheart, can you get me a cup of coffee? The barristers would oh, be. Yeah. It's all of that shit. And then you're like... Okay, so I obviously have to act like a boss and, like, I'm not going to take shit for you to respect me and you'd be doing that every day. So every job has mm. its challenges. But, um, yeah, the acting has definitely come into, uh, has helped me a lot with a lot of different situations in life for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get the role on Neighbours? So you moved to Sydney and then had you auditioned for it or did they just have your... Uh, not your file, your tape. Yeah, yeah, self-tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be file, but yeah, self-tape. Um, yeah, so with Neighbours, it's one because it's an ongoing show. Like if you're an actor in Australia, uh, very unlikely that you never you would have never auditioned for that show because there's so many ongoing guest roles and stuff like that. And I had auditioned for some guest roles before and the casting director is the same casting director, so she remembered me. Um And interestingly, like she said, you know, because the guest roles that came through would be like for one app or two app, I I have a feeling that she kind of kept me in her pocket. When I didn't get those, I was heartbroken because even that's amazing as an actor to get Mm. that. Um, And I'd be heartbroken. I'm like, I know I nailed that audition. I don't understand why I didn't get it. And it comes out later that it's because they want to keep you in their pocket for a bigger Mm. ongoing role. And that's what I mean. Like everything has its place. It's all meant to be at a time that it's meant to be when you're ready for it. And that's the same with challenges as well. The challenge will be thrown at you because you need to go through that experience and learn from it. So um, when this happened and it's going back to diversity and stuff, and I don't know if it was a deliberate decision by them, but... um, uh, they wanted to introduce a new family and uh, it was an Indian-Australian family. So it was like ma- uh, married to a Caucasian guy, mixed kids um, and a sister who was the sister of the Indian wife. And that's a role that I originally went for. So it was a cop role. Um, she was playing a cop and she was like kind of like the new hot thing on the show. And hmm. then <laughs> and then what they did was they reduced the age to, and I think I was like 26 when I auditioned for the role. In acting world, when you're 25, you play a mum. That's just what it mm. is. And it's so crap and I hate it. It's just like if you're 21, you can play a 16, 17-year-old, right? They let you play those teen roles. But mm. as soon as you turn 25, and you'll see this on American television as, as well, like Riverdale and all those shows, the mums are so hot and they look so <laughs> young, but for some reason they're playing like mums of 20-year-olds and that's actually what happened to me. So initially I was going for the cop role. They reduced that age to like 20, couldn't play that, and so they got someone else in for that. And luckily I didn't get that because she, um, she left the show. She you know, got asked to leave or whatever it was uh, a year later, a year and a half later. And so I wouldn't be on the show anymore. And, they, and then they said to me, like, we really love you. We loved your audition. And uh, another thing with Neighbours is they tend to um, pick people who are quite similar to their character or have similar attributes because it's easier when you're doing an mm. ongoing role. And they're like, we love your warmth and we love that, like, you know, um, kindness and that strength we reckon you'll be great for the mum. And straight away I was like, I don't want to play a mum. Like this is my my first big break on Australian television and I'm playing a mum to like three kids. One was like 16 or 17 at the time. One was 15, one was 12. And I'm like, I'm like in my 20s. Like how is that possible? 
comfortable. And they're like, you know, we can age you up and like we can make you wear dowdy clothes. I'm like, that doesn't make me feel better. I don't want to look like shit on television. And anyway, like it was the whole thing of being an, a brown person and there not being enough roles and just going, you know what, I'm just going to take whatever comes at me because this opportunity won't come again. So that's how I said yes. And in terms of like the process of how I got the role, um, when they met me, they kind of go, we want her for that role. And then they matched everyone around me. So like the family, the husband, I remember auditioning with like 20 different blokes, tall Mm -hmm. ones, short ones, um, (laughs) old ones, young ones, like all, you know, different ones. And then they had to match the kids to that. So they needed to look Mm. like one. It was like a whole process and it took like a few months and then, um, just very luckily it kind of rounded off when I finished the calendar year for the other law job in Sydney and then I came in on January, didn't really have a break. So in that regard also I've never really experienced that struggle, struggling life of an actor. Mm. So I kind of feel like I'm cheating life a little bit because I didn't sleep on anyone's couch. I didn't, I've always been working and so that is a big fear of mine of like what would it be like to not be working and then not book a job? Like will I be able to cope mm. mentally? Who knows? Mm. But you've, I feel like you've set yourself up because, I mean, you can always go back to your degree. Yeah. Again, another thing my parents take credit for. They're just like, well, you know, if it doesn't work, then look what we did. We made you do law and be it and you can always do that. I'm like, yeah, again, right, good, great. Um, yeah, that is true though. And I do recommend, like I do always say, like when people are asking for advice about acting and stuff, I, I always think that you always benefit from having another skill. Because totally. in your lifetime, right, you guys would know, it's very rare that you have one thing that's going to motivate motivate you forever Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you'll go through different phases when you want to do writing you want to do modeling you want to be a business owner whatever it is so all of those skills come into play like even my law skills I use them every day in negotiating in Mm -hmm. advocacy in activism and all of that sort of stuff so it's all beneficial so and even with acting as well like you can draw upon all of those for different characters as well so Mm. yeah I think I think it worked out okay but that's the thing about hindsight you kind of go actually all of that struggle was worth it at the time I knew it sucked yeah oh absolutely I think it goes it's the same with the modeling industry and I've got a couple of friends who are in the acting industry who have gone through those kind of um what's it called when you when you're like either in between shows or you you haven't really got much going on it can go for like a year is it a word for it is it unemployment or (laughs) 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 technically it is and they've gone through through a stage where yeah they're, they're not getting any gigs there's really not much going around for them but because that's their life Mm. and that's their biggest passion and they can't imagine themselves doing anything else and they may not have had a backup plan um it can really toy with their mental health Mm. and I was the same I was a full-time model and I was very fortunate that I worked pretty much straight away and had my regular clients and so I didn't really know what it felt like to not be at work and then as soon as I moved to the states I, I got that feeling of being a new model who wasn't right for the industry over there and um was out of work for a long time and it really it's really really a big toll on your mental health and your mental well-being so I think it's always as you said a great idea to have some sort of backup and we always talk to Laura's law degree as well like she said she probably won't practice law Mm -hmm. but she is so incredible in so many ways from what she's learnt absolutely through law so yeah absolutely yeah that's nice well the USA I think the USA missed out on Steph lucky they didn't like her so she came back to Australia (laughs) oh my god well there might be any no keep it cleaner if they liked you it's all life lessons though like that would have taught you so much and then I was also think with the struggle there is like such a good lesson from struggling because when you do get Mm. what you know kick a goal or it just like it's so worthwhile because you know 
you know, that's why the people that really effing annoy me are the ones that just kind of everything just falls into place straight. I'm like, how does that even happen? Yeah. <laughs> how does that even yeah. happen? But, you know, different lessons for different people. But do you find that you use your law? You would use a law degree and stuff a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. Everything yeah, yeah you no, do. it's been good. It's been good now. Yeah. At the start, I was like, I don't know. I literally did it such, I mean, for my my mum mainly. And I never, I didn't even do legal studies in year 12. I had no passion for it. I was enrolled in dietetics. And then I got this score that was good enough. And I was like, oh, I should do law. Yeah. And my mum now still says every now and then like, oh, you should finish your degree. Like, just in case. <laughs> like, like, it's fine. Nice. I have a job. Yeah. But, you know, it just, it, it, I mean, it's nice to have. And it, it has been handy. And I've got two subjects to go. So I'm not, I'm not giving up. Yeah. I'm so, I nearly gave up like a year no, and a half ago. You can't. You can't. I didn't. This no, is her 10th year. Yeah, it's been a long time. You can so. do it hard. Like, yeah, I, st- I and, and that's another thing with starting and not finishing. When I um I was having that little crisis of confidence or whatever, I think in my early 20s, I started a Master's of Communications and Journalism and I haven't finished it, but I think I'll go back to it. I have way more than two subjects to go though, mind you, so I don't know <laughs> when I'm going to do it. But definitely, like, it is worth going back. It's funny though, our parents always want to brag about that, whatever it is. Like, my daughter's a lawyer. Like, they just love yeah. saying that, like, um, you know. <laughs> we had Madison Brown on the show. On the show. Oh, my God. What are we? We're a show. <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> do I think we are. Okay. Um, on the kick pod recently who's in Dynasty and we, we kind of asked her about, you know, what's it like on set and everything. But really interested to know what Ramsey Straits like, you know, how does it go? How's your, what's your like normal week like? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure obviously the story changes and some weeks might be busier than others, but yeah. what's the kind of day to day for you? Sure. So like overall we have, we work 40 to 43 weeks of the year. So it's basically mm-hmm. like a school term um, okay. and that it's a very grueling thing. So you'll find a lot of people that go onto a show like mine or Home and Away, they just go missing. Like they just like, they're <laughs> off the things. You don't see them because it, it it's so full on. Like you get, as you guys, know when it comes to scheduling stuff I get my schedule Friday morning the week before I have no idea what my week's going to look like I kind of have an idea of the scenes I'll be doing because I've got the scripts on that Friday the week before mind you so your weekend for sure you'll be spending one full day at least like trying to get on top of the scripts and kind of get set for your week then most of my days especially now I start at like 5.45 or 6 a.m. So then I have to, um, you know, get up and go. The good thing is I I obviously don't have to do my own hair and makeup. We we very nearly did during COVID time and it would have looked like a very different show, but thank God um, we didn't because I don't know how to do it. Um, And you basically just roll out of bed, you sit in the makeup chair, you've got incredible makeup artists, you're sitting there for like an hour and a bit and it sounds glamorous, but like sitting anywhere for an hour and a bit, it's just like hard, you know, to do. When you're tired. When you're tired and you can't close your eyes because they're working around your eye and and doing eye makeup and stuff so you're doing that for an hour and a bit then your day can consist of like you can have up to 12 to you know 15 scenes in a row that can be very wordy ones with different actors it's very different now to how it was by the way with COVID stuff because it's like Mm. we're all in separate little dressing rooms so it's a little bit isolating now like to be honest and we're disconnected from a completely different half of Crew, uh, cast because location separate and studios in case we get it at our workplace then that way it doesn't go everywhere and we can continue working and the show can go on but yeah so then you have your little dressing room you've got to do costume fittings in the day you've got to do ADR so not necessarily if you don't say something with your voice properly it can be different changes in the script scripts change all the time too so you'll get like while you're in the makeup chair the AD assistant director will come in and say look this whole scene's completely changed learn this and so you've got to learn it in like 
you know, 20 minutes to go on and that can happen. Scenes can get dropped in the day. Scenes can get added in the day. So basically you have to be like this. Well, one, mm. one day I did take my hubby to work on a hubby to work day and he he was under the misapprehension that it was like, you know, because we don't always work the whole day. Some days I'd come home at 3 o'clock. He's mm. like, I work hard. We always have this battle. It's so tacky. But he's just like, <laughs> oh, you finish at 3.30. My day's harder than yours. I'm like, no, my day's harder. I started earlier. You have to be on the whole time. And he was just <laughs> shocked because he's like, maintaining relationships with like 150 people, that also takes energy as well. Not everybody's yeah. like on the same, you know, and you and if you're like me, you want to make people feel good so you invest in everybody. Um, and then you've got to obviously be on like on the scenes it can they're not filmed continuously so i would be having an absolute mental health breakdown on the show and then the next one i'm like putting on a performance because like my um character she's into musical theater and like i've had to sing karaoke on the show like and i'm a terrible <laughs> singer terrible and i i reckon that's the only day where i was like i'm gonna have a panic attack today and <gasps> this is it it's all over and i told everyone and they were really like very um supportive and whatever but the weirdest things i've had to dance on the show um i have like it's a soapy so you can imagine the storylines are super crazy and like whatever mm. um yeah so the, the the general day is like that's very up and down emotionally and another thing is is like yeah okay as actors we've trained our muscles to kind of get into a zone and ball our eyes out in one scene and then get really angry and scream in another one but physically there is an after effect of that so if you mm. don't have a process of like getting in and out of character um, it can be really bad for you physically. Like mm. there's days where like I've had really bad stuff in the scene happen to me and then I'll come home and I'm in a really gross mood and I'm like, why am I feeling like this? Like I'm just gross and it's because mm. I haven't gotten out of it properly and sometimes you never do. Um, so then that filters into your day-to-day life. But, yeah, and then the days usually finish around 6, 6.30ish and unless we're doing um, nighttime scenes, which funnily enough happen in winter because it gets darker earlier so the coldest time of the year is when you're outside wearing no clothes because on ramsey street it never rains or get cold gets cold that's one of the things that we pretend you know for like our uk viewers they like it to be sunny all the time so um yeah so those days can be really late those ones can finish to about 9 30 so that's kind of like what a day in the life of an actor there can be so quite full on mm. wow mm. <laughs> that is amazing. It's so impressive that you can learn lines that quickly. Yeah, you know, at the start when I first started, I because the thing is you don't know your character, so you don't know the language of yeah. how they speak, and it's very unnatural. Mm. The way that it's written is very unnatural. So, And I'm like one of those stupid perfectionists where I want to get it word perfect to prove to myself. So I remember when I first started, I was just like up until really late trying to learn it, and then I was there, and I'd come home and have a nap like between 7 to 8 p.m. and then get up and do it again. Now I'm at a point where like uh, I, you can just give it to me like three minutes before I'll have a look at it and go, yeah, I don't have a photographic memory or anything, but I can I, I can go I've learned the thing of like listening as well so like okay they're going here what's the intention what am I trying to do in the scene okay and then kind of learn it and and I'm at that point but I think it, again it's like if you could do something enough it's it becomes your norm I'm sure if I was out of work for a couple of years or whatever then it wouldn't be that easy and it's interesting when you have like we have a lot of guesties and profile people come through who are like incredible uh, you know actors that are like huge actors that have done so much and they stress out about the lines because the pace of our show is unlike any other show we film six eps a week and that's just crazy like it's too mm. fast and that's what everyone says and also when we're 
we're on set, which I forgot to say before, is that um, you essentially get two takes. So if you get it wrong in one take, you'll get another chance to do it again, but you can't have much more than that because then you'll hold production up and, you know, the crew start getting a bit like, you know, you should know your shit before you get here and that is a part of the job as well. So that's hard as well because even if you get the lines right, if for whatever reason you're not in the zone or mentally or, you know, you don't feel like Mm. you've done a good job, um, you can be really hard on yourself. Like there's been heaps of times where I've driven home going like, oh, Shaz, why didn't you do it like that? You should have done it like that and kicked myself for it. But, you know, you have to let shit go, I think. Yeah, wow, that is so impressive, yeah. seriously. It's a skill. <laughs> so we love the advice you've given so far on, um, I suppose, having something to back you up if, you're an, if you are an actor. But we'd love to know as well what your advice would be for people that have things holding them back from following their passion, I suppose, like you did, but you persevered with yeah. it and look at you now. What would your advice be to anyone listening who wants to follow their dreams but, yeah, there's things in the way? For sure. I feel like... Um, a good thing you could potentially do is find the right support. So like if you're not getting it from your family and you're not getting certain friends aren't giving it to you or whatever it is, you just really need one person. And I have that as well in my life, like one best friend. I've also got my husband as well. He's my best friend too. But, um, you know, (laughs) someone where you can just talk the shit out of shit all the time to be like, this is what I want to do and this is what's going to make me happy. I also feel like uh, journaling and writing stuff is very helpful for the soul. And to even put out your goals that way, like, um, because you might think, you might be getting frustrated and be thinking, this is really what I want to do, but actually haven't really thought it all through. So I do have, because I probably did so much study, I do have a pragmatic way of looking at things. So I would really like nut down, figure out what it is you really want to do. And then make little goals and steps along the way that will keep you motivated to keep going because sitting there going, I want to be a Hollywood movie star, that sounds great and that's a lot of people's (laughs) dreams, right? But you have to be realistic as well and go, okay, let's study like the people that actually have done that before in Australia. So like Margot Robbie's not a good example because she her her, um, rise is, is, is like almost impossible that does doesn't happen Mm. it's a one in a million but like the people that actually worked super hard consistently and didn't get those breaks um luckily like that like hugo weaving or whoever think of um what they've done and and realize that it takes a lot of hard work obviously start doing Mm. the things and putting those things into play like whether it's going into acting school or whether it's studying for a certain thing that you want to do and then kind of mark it off that way like i think if you be a bit more realistic and have tangible goals and tangible outcomes that helps motivate you go there to go there instead of kind of going, this is what I want to do and it's not happening for me. In that way as well, you can take control of your life a little bit in mm. not just leave it up to the universe for it to happen. But, yeah, I definitely think it really helps to have support and someone to bounce off those ideas and go, like, this is what I want to do and I'm feeling... And, and it can happen when you're really young as well because obviously living in your house with your parents where you're under their roof and they're like saying a certain thing and you think what they say is like the be all end all um, to do that. It's, it's be patient, start writing. Like I read my journals now and the stuff that I write, wrote in there just <laughs> obviously very extreme and dramatic because I was a kid. I was like, I hate my life. I hate everything about it. This is, you know, what I want to want to do. Um, so my advice would definitely be um, to find that support in someone but keeps persevering and keep rechecking mm. in and checking in as to whether that's really what you want to do as well because sometimes it's not. Mm. Sometimes what you think you want isn't what you want um, but you're so fixated on the idea you can't let it go. Yeah, so that's what I would say. 
I think that's great advice. Yeah. That's awesome, Felix. Might just rewind and go <laughs> listen to that again. <laughs> I, you know what I do all the time is I go off on tangents. So I don't even know if that made sense, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it made a lot of sense. I think it'll help a lot of people. Um, we spoke about before how you you felt like you may not have been represented very well when you were younger looking at the television particularly with the channels that you had access to in the country um we it's really really cool how progressive neighbors has been you know they were the first australian tv show that had a gay marriage now they've got their first trans character um is it really cool to be a part of how do you feel about being part of a show like neighbors yeah it's so good to be on the show now like um because Mm. our history of that it's everyone knows the history of the show hasn't always been this open Mm -hmm. and inclusive totally um it's really cool because in in the last uh year or two our producers and i have to hats off to the the producers that we have now as well is like they've made this motto everyone's welcome on neighbors um on ramsey street everyone's welcome on ramsey street everyone's welcome on neighbors basically and we have um we have been super progressive with the lgbtqia plus community um especially with the first gay marriage as well that happened and then um it's interesting georgie stone i was so so Mm. grateful that i got to be she's a part of my family so i essentially love taking Mm. her in as mine and i'm so grateful the producers let me do that with her because she's not only playing a trans character but she is a trans woman so um Mm. she actually lived that whole story and i also really love i don't know if you guys have seen um the the netflix doco called disclosure uh, it's on my to-do list yeah it's on my to-do Watch list it. i've heard it's, so many good things because like i always feel like we are all in a position where we can mm. learn and educate on all different ways and with her she's like 19 20 now sorry and i've just mm. learned so much from georgie from being around her because i've been open to having those conversations and i've probably asked dumb questions and we were talking about this before but she's been always um willing and open to educate and disclosure mm. is really great because it talks about trans stories and how they've been shown through storytelling over over an extensive period of time and it's generally and always been done in a negative way so trans mm-hmm. people are always like the sex workers prostitutes and they would always expose them in a way like where you know a character wouldn't know that this um, person had a penis and then um, mm. would you know mm. and, and it's not in a good way whereas on our show Mackenzie Hargraves which is her character it's inc- like it's all positive it's all great and that's mm. really important for i think sh- different shows to take leadership in that regard and go you know what let's not just do it for the cheap watches and like the controversy and whatever let's tell a story of how it's supposed to be told and perhaps educate our audience with that and i feel like in the last couple of years because to be honest i wasn't really watching it before i was on the show and that mm. could have been a, a thing of like not feeling represented but also mm-hmm. like Neighbours is that kind of show you watch until you're like 14, 15 and then you stop and then you come back later. Oh, I was addicted all through. Yeah, see, like, and that's what it is. (laughs) And my nan in... In the UK, as you said, she's probably yeah. the biggest fan I know yeah. of Neighbours. <laughs> they love, they absolutely froth love it over there. And and so you kind of come back later and you go, I was like, this this has changed. Because I remember, mm. um, you know, there was other diverse characters, but not generally there for a long period of time or their guesties mm-hmm. and whatever. And then also with my introduction of the family, it's like the first interracial marriage. So it's like Caucasian and Indian. And it's such, an, it's such a common story in our friendship groups and in our communities, which you don't wouldn't think, but we're there, and um, it's just another family. Like it's there's nothing different about us. We're just another family. So I feel really proud about being involved in the show at this time and different things as well. Like you know, we we took a stance on Black Lives Matter too. We put a message out there saying that we hear you, we stand with you, mm. um, we're with you, 
And that was something I asked the producers to do and they said, yes, let's do it. And so, Mm. you know, not many workplaces do that out of fear of, Mm. I don't know, whatever. Um, And to take leadership in that regard is great. And so, you know, the amount of times Georgie's told me about, you know, trans kids talking to her and saying, like, thank you so much, you've made me, like, literally saying I was going to kill myself and then I saw that and that's changed my whole life, like... Mm. It actually feels like you're making a difference. Like acting is yeah. acting, but at the end of the day, to be honest, like my goal isn't isn't just to be an actor. It was actually to get to a point where I had profile enough to make effective, positive change in the world through activism, through advocacy and, and use, you know, the law and all that kind of stuff to get there. So I feel like we're doing that in the storytelling as well. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing that neighbours have taken that step in the right direction because I suppose they could have very easily just continued as they were. So it's so cool. Absolutely. Mm. And it is a thing of like owning mistakes and kind of going, we haven't always done it right before, but we're committed to to being better. And and that's Mm -hmm. the thing. So like... You know, you'd see that everywhere, especially right now um, with this the movement that's currently going on. And I really applaud people for being honest and saying, yeah, look, we didn't know and we didn't do it right, but we are going to try to do it better going forward. I think that's huge, especially, you know, like, yeah, it's very rare and not all shows are doing that. So mm. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, they're setting a a great example, definitely. And now we'd love to touch on something you kind of mentioned at the start of the podcast about um, growing up being curvier than I suppose Mm, what you saw on TV. What, and and I think being on TV is, I'm not sure, and I I don't want to speak for you, so, you know, when you um, answer this, let us know, but I feel like there's so much more pressure to look a certain way when you are on TV. What has your relationship been like with with your body since you were younger, I suppose, to, to now? Yeah, that's like, I'm so happy to be completely honest with that. It's been hard. So um, my um, family genetics are such that like my mom, my sister, my auntie, they've all gone through being obese and being quite overweight. I kind of went over my dad's side a little bit. So I, I but my ten, the tendencies are there. So when I was growing up, it's interesting. I was in an ethnic household where they being skinny is not a good thing so they were like eat more eat more like you got to be healthy you look too skinny all that stuff but then I was going to school where all my friends were super skinny and athletic you know blonde blue eyed beautiful girls or whatever and I was just so different and so I became aware of it when I was going through high school going okay like it's so it sounds so stupid and tacky but like things like boys not asking me out and then I'd be like why why what is it it was it actually came out later a lot of it had to do with being brown and they were scared and because it was something different but at the time I was like oh it's because my boobs are too big or my thighs or whatever and I remember and it's so bad but like when I was in year 12 I was stressed out anyway with year 12 but I was just like eating one meal a day and mm-hmm. um but it was like a good healthy meal but like carrots in the morning and one meal in the afternoon and then walking a lot and um I remember, like, my parents were really concerned about that. They were like, Mm. you know, we we don't want her to go down this path of, like, potentially being sicker or whatever. And and they really positively reinforced me to a point where I was like, okay, actually, I should be eating. Who cares? Whatever. And actually, to be honest, it wasn't making a difference physically Mm. anyway. So... I had that and then I know that I think feel like you're really hyper aware of how you look around that age and then like your early 20s mm. when you're like all into guys or whatever and um, I kind of continued then I was kind of like a healthy mindset or whatever but my relationship with food is difficult in that I am an emotional eater so mm-hmm. I really um, 
reward myself with food. When I'm sad, I eat food. When I'm stressed, I eat food. When I was younger, I almost could get away with it in the sense that like I didn't gain a lot of weight um, because the metabolism, whatever. But as I've gotten older, I found it harder. So I've had to create a positive relationship with exercise in order Mm. to kind of counteract that. Like I don't have any eating issues per se. Like I always eat food and I love food, but I've been eating too much food, if that makes sense. It's like a Mm. weird control thing where like, I don't know, like um, I suppose like a lot of people say it's like the one thing that you can control in your life. So, you you know, you muck around with it a little bit. But in terms of my body, I was always curvy, like, and it, it was in within my lifetime, the whole Kardashian curve thing came out where it was cool. Like before that, it really wasn't like I w- did not look like, I know, Steph, you've had this conversation as well, like did not look like um, the models or like, you know, mm-hmm. other people on TV and it just wasn't the same but I couldn't change it either so Mm. I kind of went through and kind of made peace with it and I love my body like I love my body for what it does for me like allows me to Mm. do stuff and everything and I went through a stage where and it sounds so dumb but like validation from significant others like people that you're with or whatever where they love it and then you go actually it is hot like I am hot like it's great Mm. like you know um it's good. So my relationship with my body is good, but I have to say it was good for a long period of time, like from my early 20s till like the last couple of years when I started the job. So it was all fine. And then I went to the job and I did notice exactly what you said, Laura, mm. that in our industry, it's like so messed up on so many different levels. I was shocked. Thank God I came into that job at the age I did, though, because I feel like if I came in and I was 16, 17, 18... You would have been influenced by I'd be 100% influenced. Mm-hmm. So I hear the conversations in the girls' change rooms yeah. where we have one, one big change room, we see each other, whatever, and I'm saying, like, these younger girls are thin and almost scary thin, and they'll still be like, oh, my God, like, mm-hmm. I look so fat in this outfit, look like this, and, like, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there going, what, what, would, what would me at that young age actually respond to? It's not necessarily me going, you look beautiful, whatever, because it doesn't matter. It's not what they feel. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's like I've just – I've had to make – it's actually bothered me a lot in the last couple of years. I've had to make peace with the fact that I can't change, but I can change their perception of themselves, but, like, continually check in and, like, positive reinforcement mm. in different ways in that, like, we shouldn't be defined by how we look and our bodies. Totally. It should be by our actions and our behaviour and how we are with other people, and that's where my confidence has come from now is, like – and I know I'm a good person and I'm doing good things for other people and I've got good friendships and whatever, that makes me confident as opposed to how I physically look because that will change throughout your lifetime. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to look the way you look. like, And that and stuff like surgery and things like that, I, I like it really scares me that my industry is so like mm. focused on like women looking young and skinny and it's still definitely Mm. prevalent i do not think Mm. that we've progressed very much in that regard in australia i feel like america's a bit better um but there's also this thing as you guys would probably know is like they embrace the skinnies and they i shouldn't use that word but the thinner and then uh or like the a bit quite a bit larger so like the rebel wilson's like or mm-hmm. there's no in between normal like there is no yeah, yeah, yeah we're agreed so there is so much like both in modeling and acting well, i it's completely like what they say, agree plus size and there then, is so much that yeah. needs to be done for 
And the funny thing is, is the the middle, I'm doing, you know, middle, (laughs) the middle kind of size bracket is the majority of the freaking population. population. So it's like, why (laughs) why are we not representing them? stupid business-wise as well. Why are you ignoring such a large group of people for your business? Like, it doesn't Mm. actually make sense. So when I see brands and stuff doing that, I completely applaud it. But on television as well, like, it is true, like, the screen, for whatever reason, puts on extra kgs i feel lucky in the sense that because i did come in playing that mum role i got away with it they put loose clothes uh, on me on purpose to make me look like that and i kind of lent into it a little bit too much and was fine with it i didn't have to be in a bikini every day but for the girls and the women that have to and that there's this perceived like notion of what's sexy or whatever i just think it's so unhealthy and for that reason Mm. i wouldn't if this is how the industry is right now and continues to be, I would not. I would be discouraging any daughter mm. of mine to get into it mm-hmm. because no matter how hard you try to protect them through being their parents or their friends or whatever, it's this weird pressure that comes from all different aspects of your employment, obviously, but like magazines and online mm. and Instagram, all that stuff. So when we see the real stuff on Instagram, I'm like, yeah, we need more of that. We need more. Keep going. So hopefully that momentum and things that you guys are doing, both of you guys together, like I see it, I hear it, and I hope it just continues and filters on to be like the thing, the way to be. Just be yourself. So you mentioned confidence there, which is something from the outside. You seem like the most confident person. And every time I see you at an event, even with the outfits you wear or the stuff you do with your hair and everything, like you have so much fun with it and you just come across so confident. But as you said, you've gone through your own struggles and body image things and everything like that. So is your kind of trick to confidence, you know, focusing on those other things that you said that you should value yourself on? Yeah, 100%. And it's so interesting you say that because... um, it's it's because I'm not like I'm very open and honest and raw about like how I feel. I've got massive insecurities and like I get down like especially in pandemic time for instance like I mm. chucked on and it's you know what it is as well it's like I'm very mindful of the language that I use I've got nieces I've got people around me I chucked on seven kilos right and I only realized when I went back it was because I was obviously closer to the fridge drinking wine every day trying to survive mm. this pandemic which is yeah. why I don't think we should be hard on ourselves just generally mm, ever totally and then um when I went back to work the costume fittings everything was tight and I was like and then this just sounds terrible but I went to a costume fitting and everything was a larger size and I'm like okay so they've noticed that that's happened and I had a breakdown this was the other day and I was like bawling my eyes mm. out coming home and I was like and then I watched an episode and because it looks bigger and my arms and whatever I definitely have down days I definitely feel insecure those events and stuff that we go to we see each other at like I'm genuinely excited to see you guys. I'm like really happy and whatever. Like, so it's always like I'm a bit hyped. But in saying that, like, I definitely don't feel super confident going in. Like, as you know, there's so many, like, it's not at the moment. And I don't even know how we're going to go back to that life. But when we were going to stuff, there was like so many things every week. Um, Brands want to work with you and they send you stuff or whatever. But I'm not like your... um, standard size that's on the I'd get sent stuff and they just it just wouldn't fit me yeah Yeah, like so chucking something on and going to something is not easy for me like it's a Mm. whole process of like trying stuff but it doesn't work finding ways to make it work for you and then I always do say and I say it to everyone I'm like whatever it is and when you walk out the door you own it like because Mm. I want to give energy and give love and like not drain the room with that 
But in saying mm-hmm. that, I'm happy to like obviously listen to because there's a lot of people you know in the industry who feel that and are going through pain and insecurities and stuff like that. I'm there to like pump you up. I'm not hit there to take mm-hmm. you down. But I definitely go through that. And it's my mum and dad. Like it's the same thing. My mum and dad. Like they're like you know you're so confident because they don't ever check in and like see how I am yeah. or anything. And they're like you don't need it because you're so strong and you're so tough. I'm like, but I'm not. Like yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like that. I'm not. I I go through it. And there there's times where I switch off I don't talk to anyone for the day because I can't mentally do it um mm-hmm. and I'm honest about that too so the down times they're they're you know they're common and, and and it happens to everyone but yeah the confidence definitely I do definitely try you heard me when we started this podcast I was talking to the dog I was positive <laughs> talking to the dog because he did very well when we went out on the walk today and I'm like I want He's not probably not going to understand human language, but I'm like, define yourself <laughs> on to, on like your behavior and how you are with other people, not how you look, because it doesn't matter. It really mm. doesn't matter. Um, not your physicality, not your age, not your gender, mm. not your color of your skin, none of that. It's just how you are with other people, because at the end of the day, that's going to be your legacy. Like you want people to, I feel like I want people to say about me, when they met me or they talked to someone else about me, like, oh, my God, I love her. She's so nice, so kind and generous. That's all I want, like, if it's going to be anything. So that's where I think the confidence comes from is is that. I love that. Mm. That's such special advice and mm. it's so important. I just love that. Like, don't, it doesn't matter what you look like and that is so true. We'd love to know what you have learned about yourself this year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this year. <laughs> That's a good one. I I think definitely I will admit that I was I've been chasing um I've been I've been not in the moment. I haven't been present. I've been like chasing and just playing catch up the whole for the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So because mm-hmm. the break for me took so long to achieve to get to that point, I felt like I had to do a lot of catch up in terms of the work around it. So like, you know how we were talking about events and stuff. I was only going to those obviously to support the brands or my friends' brands or whatever we were doing, but it is to create a bit of a presence where it's normalised to see me in that space because you will see, you notice, there, is, and I'm very hyper aware, you go to things mm-hmm. and I'll be like literally the only ethnic in the room or the only brown person in the room and not in an anger way but in a, in a way where I'm like, I need to make it normal for me to be in this space so I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. I'm going to go even though I don't feel like it and I put a lot of pressure on myself and I was just running ragged and in my brain I was like, I can do this now. I don't have kids. I've got a great husband who I take everywhere with me by the way because I want him to be, um, to know like what I'm doing and, and to be involved in my life and I don't want to keep it separate. Um, so I think definitely I've learned to slow down because I wasn't doing that before. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, I've learned that nothing really matters. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. nothing matters. If you don't have your health and, you know, we've had a death in the family in the UK through this mm-hmm. fucking virus. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you, don't, if you don't have that, none of this stuff that we're working towards and all these goals and, like, my whiteboards of plans and stuff, it doesn't actually matter. Um and, and like, I've, I've remembered, and I was always doing it before, but, like, what family and friends are, it's just you've got to be there and to cultivate those relationships because that's actually the only thing that is going to continue on in your life. Everything else changes, your employment, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think about myself, I've learnt that I, um, uh, I'm too hard on myself because I, if I don't do one thing off my 
12, mm. 12 dot list thing of the day, mm. I feel like a failure. So too hard on myself. Secondly, not valuing the people around me. So the person that cops the most in my life is my husband. Um, mm. Because I just think he's there. We've been together for like 13 mm-hmm. years, you know. You guys, I'll, I'll give everyone my energy. And he, he said it to me. He was like, because I'll just be really short, just expecting that he'd understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I'd have mm-hmm. a conversation with my friend. I'd be like, no, honey, like this is, you know, we can work towards this. And like be really nice. And then he'd be like, I'll never get that side of you. I'm like, that's horrible. That is horrible. Like what sort of a person? Oh, I think we all do it. Yeah. We all do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's that is what I've learned this year. And just honestly, like take the days as they come. Like, you know, <laughs> two days ago, our whole life changed again. So, yeah, I'd have to say that. And hopefully I keep that on. That's one thing I think, because I also think that probably this whole thing has maybe happened for a reason for everyone to kind mm. of take a forced rest. Can you think about the pace that we were working towards I know. before this? Yeah. Unheard of, like just everything, just go, go, go all the time. And now the world is regenerating, like environmentally mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Other things, life goes on. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's interesting. You think you you put place these stakes on different things in your in your life, and you go, if that happens, and the whole world's going to no, it won't. It, it's not. It's just going to continue on. Um, but yeah, figuring out what's important to you, I think. Oh, totally. Mm. And I really hope that. I mean, I think the majority of us will, but I really hope that everything that we've learned about ourselves in this time. Um, does kind of continue in this new world that we're going to have. Yeah. Um, and I know this next question is kind of really difficult because we've just been put back into lockdown yeah. and so it's really hard to work out certain goals and everything like that. But over the next few years, um, what are your dreams or goals or aspirations? Yeah, so, um, yeah, you're right. Like, I was going to like, do a lot of travel, was going to um, try my luck at um, uh, acting in the US and the UK mm-hmm. and doing all of that. Amazing. Don't know if that's going to, yeah, don't know if that's going to be possible. But they might bring productions over here. So I've had to make peace with that. That's been really hard because I also feel like I'm running out of years. And as stupid as that sounds, it's because... Oh, it's the industry. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. industry that puts that on you. But also, biologically, because, um, you yeah. know, I got married a couple of years ago and, and I want to have, we want to have our own kids. And for me, like, I feel like that will, if I do that, like before I try to do those, I just don't think I'd have the same passion for it if I had children, because I think priorities would change. And I probably wouldn't want to pursue that because I know it's going to be a big struggle, be tough. But now I've had to make peace with that. And, you know, if the kids thing happens in the next couple of years, that's great. Mm. If that happens, you don't know what's going to happen, like, you know, biologically. So goal wise, it would definitely um, be probably start a family in the next few years Mm. um and I think like in terms of pivoting that word or like changing your ideas I want to create some work so put some Mm -hmm. you know create some work that's meaningful within Australia because obviously now we're confined to being Australia so I, I would do that script writing and that sort of stuff as well and then probably get a rescue dog um as a as a as a friend to Bosco like um yeah and I'm probably like uh attach myself um to charity or organization Mm -hmm. of choice or to come up with something that's going to change the world in in a in a big way in a good big way so that's always at the forefront of my mind and I'm kind of trying to think of like the way to do that properly so hopefully in the next couple of years that will come to fruition for me Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. Amazing. That that's so cool. It's been such a we've this is probably one of our longest podcasts oh, we've done. Oh, sorry. I knew no, this was no, going to no, no, happen in the best way. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. In the in best, best way, way possible. We've just absolutely loved talking to you. So, thank you so much for being such a joy and sharing so much inspiration with our audience. No. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I love everything you do as you know. Um <laughs> try to stay positive like it is it obviously is very very tough, but we've all got to look look after each other because we're all going through it together. Like yes, it's Victoria right now, but it's really the world and it's really Australia, yeah. but um we can keep each other's spirits up by connecting and making sure we maintain that contact. But yeah, keep doing what you guys are doing i love it i've got to get on to doing these kick workouts i know it's only 20 minutes like i swear that's going to be my next uh, little interim goal because it's only 20 minutes why can't i do it i'm just so lazy <laughs> but thanks guys hopefully see you guys thank soon in you. person i know thank hopefully. you well we hope you guys enjoyed that chat she is just such a pleasure to have you now well i was gonna say presence but it was over zoom <laughs> <laughs> but like in Zoom presence, amazing. I just thought, I think the whole time we were just sitting at the screen smiling. Like yeah. my, my mouth was, not my cheeks, mouth, my cheeks. cheeks were hurting from yeah. smiling and nodding because everything she said, I think, well, it resonated with me so much. So we hope you enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening. We're sending love to all of you during this time. What else are we, we have our live gym, so please come and join us. Um, there will be a Friday lunchtime workout um, and then we'll be back Monday and Wednesday as well for hit and strength. So please come and join us. We'd love, love to see you on there you can check out the kick program on www.keepitcleaner.com.au you can follow us on instagram at keep it cleaner at steph claire smith or at laura henshaw and we will chat to you next week bye